0: What's up, everyone? We're here to wrap up the week on Locked On Bucks. Running solo today, but that's okay. We've got plenty to talk about, including a matchup with the Brooklyn Nets. I mentioned it the other day. The Bucks started the season against the Brooklyn Nets. Now they're going to get the road to the postseason going against Brooklyn. Some injury updates. Brooke Lopez back at practice. We are going to discuss that. And then I want to talk about small markets and people always wanting small markets to move towns. We went through it with the Bucks, We've seen it a little bit with the New Orleans, I want to discuss that a little bit, and I want to ask a question about the starting lineup that I've brought up previously, but I want to bring it up again, so let's get started. Backs him down, Giannis into the lane, Giannis spinning, fading shots. me on this show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. Uh, Writing solo today, I don't do this too often, but that's okay. Like I said, we've got plenty to talk about. And as always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every single day. If you're watching on YouTube for the first time, welcome. If you are listening to the usual audio platform, uh, we would really appreciate it if you subscribe, whether it is on the audio version, certainly on the YouTube We're up over 2K now. We're rolling along, but we want to get to 3K, 5K and keep ticking off those milestones. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So the NBA was back today and I was watching some of these games. And like Frank said yesterday, I was sitting there kind of thinking to myself, Jeez, I, I wish there was some Bucks basketball to watch now. It's been a long week. Milwaukee get these two extra extended days off, which is a little bit weird, I think, when you come back from All-Star weekend. Uh, but it's a great way to get started against the Brooklyn Nets. A Brooklyn Nets team, they got absolutely blown out by the Boston Celtics a little bit earlier tonight as I'm recording this. Of course, this game will be in Milwaukee on Saturday night and Kyrie Irving will most likely be there. Ben Simmons most likely will not be there. Kevin Durant we know isn't playing, but they will have Kyrie. But this is a Brooklyn team that's right on the edge. They're in the eighth seed right now and running out of time to climb the standings a little bit here. So we'll see what the Brooklyn Nets can do on Saturday night. But as far as the Bucs go, Brooke Lopez practiced. This is the big news. Brooke Lopez is back at practice. I would say some mixed uh, news. From Mike Budenholzer, he originally said, speaking to the media there, he originally said, yep, he was out doing some stuff. Not full practice, but he was back out on the floor. Uh, There was some photos that the Bucks social media put out there. He's smiling. He's happy. And I guess when you just haven't seen this man for so long, we discussed it the other day, but he hasn't played since opening night. The big three, I believe, of a Giannis, Drew, sorry, the big four, Giannis Drew, Chris Milton, and Brooke Lopez, I think, have played a total of six minutes together. We know the Bucs blew out the Nets on opening night. It was a really fun night. Then we got the news that Lopez was going down, and we just haven't heard anything from him. There were some follow-up questions, and Bud was then pretty quick to pump the brakes on any expectations here for Brooke Lopez and whether or not he is going to return. So i <laughs> I wouldn't say it was the most – it was a positive – it was a positive report, but let's just say it was an, a very, very, very cautiously positive report. Like I just said with the Nets, the Bucs are running out of time with Brook Lopez to get him back in this lineup. So we'll see whether there is time. The Bucks 36 and 24, so there's only 22 games left in the regular season. You would think that he's not going to be playing within the next 10 to 12 games. The next month, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back as they really try and ease him back from this back surgery, so... If he misses the next month, you're looking at around two weeks before you can get him back, and then you're expecting him to play or you're hoping that he can be an impact player in the postseason. So we are getting to the point, and I've been on the record, and I've said I don't think that the Bucs can win the championship if Brook Lopez doesn't come back. Of course, there's some factors that we can get into that could potentially change that, but the Bucs are running out of time with Brook Lopez for him to come back and be the type of player that you think can alter a championship campaign. So some people might look at me and say, okay, you're being negative. Everyone that's listened to this show for a long time understands that I'm usually the positive one, always looking on the bright side of things. But this is just how I see this. The Bucks are on the clock with Brook Lopez. The longer this goes, the the less I'm expecting that he can come back and be a, a real impact player, just because I think you're asking a lot for him to be the anchor of this defense and help this squad get back to where uh, they've been in previous regular seasons and certainly during the playoffs. As Frank mentioned last year, the Bucs won the championship. There was some unbelievable offensive performances, obviously from Giannis. Obviously, there was from Chris Middleton as well, and Drew had some moments. But ultimately, they got it done on a defensive end. So this brings me to a question that I brought up a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when the Bucs first made the trade for Serge Barker. Should the Bucs... Insert Serge Barker for this twenty games into the starting lineup and put Bobby Portis back to the bench. Now, this isn't, this wouldn't be, this isn't a knock on Bobby Portis, or this isn't, you know, saying that he's done anything wrong. He's had an incredible season. We all acknowledge that, but I think we should also all acknowledge that, in terms of historically, who has been the better defender? It has been Serge Barker. Now, does he have? The athleticism, the ability to be an impact defender like he has in the past, I don't know. But I do think that it's worth finding out. And I think that if you put him in starting lineups, put him next to Giannis as much as possible, then you give yourself the best chance of at least finding out. And I think it's worth trying to find out before the postseason. Now, do I think that this is going to happen? No. I don't think Bud is typically someone that likes to tinker with the starting lineups too much. We've discussed the fact that last year in the postseason that I think if Dante doesn't get injured, is he out of the starting lineup? Remember, he was starting in that first-round series against Miami. I'm not sure. Maybe he does. Maybe Bud goes to the Durant-PJ Tucker matchup from the start. You'd like to think that he would have. But historically, he doesn't change up the lineups too much. And maybe he thinks that this would be, this could have a negative impact on Bobby Portis because I'm sure that Bobby Portis wants to start. My argument would be, that I don't necessarily think it's going to cut into his minutes. I think regardless, particularly with the uncertainty around Brook Lopez, you are going to get 25 to 30 minutes from Bobby Portis a night anyway, regardless of whether he's starting. I just think it would be uh, uh, potentially a good idea from the start of games to start running some drop coverage, start going back to the base stuff and seeing if Sergio Barker can be that rim protector, can free up Giannis a little bit. Uh, limits, in some instances, the amount of times he needs to play center, both on offense and defense as well. So I don't know. Does anyone agree with this? Does anyone think that I'm completely ridiculous? Uh, make sure you get in the comments there and let me know, particularly on YouTube. Just a couple of numbers here regarding Giannis and Bobby Porter. So this season, the Giannis-Bobby Porter's duo have played 814 minutes together on the floor. 116 offensive rating, 105.4 defensive positive, 10.6 net rating. As we discussed uh, on yesterday's Porter a couple of days ago, the Bucs' defensive numbers with Giannis on the floor have been excellent. So that should be no surprise there. They're getting a bump there, and you could argue, well, defensively, they're not really suffering with Bobby Portis on the floor. I agree. But last year, so think about this, 814 minutes this year. Last year, total, for the total regular season, Giannis and Bobby Portis only played 541 minutes together. Again, those numbers were really, really good. Positive 11.1 11.1 net rating. I, I guess my argument would be that if you have Drew Holiday, you have Chris Milton, you have Giannis, you've got Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen might be another question mark with the, the de- defensive side of the ball. Maybe Pat and the guy you bring in. I'm not sure. But I don't think that offense is a problem if you, if you put in Serge Ibaka. You can space the floor a little bit. Remember, for the most part, we used to ask whether Brook Lopez was being utilized enough as an offensive player. So if Serge Barker's out there, he's running the floor in transition. We've seen him do it a little bit, pick and pop scenarios, getting out to the three-point line. Um, maybe that is decent for the offense as well. Again, Bobby Portis has had an incredible season. So it's not a knock on him. It's just a, a thought experiment as we move into the playoffs. Again, I probably don't think Bud's going to do it, but I wouldn't mind it. I'd be curious to see how that situation would play out. Uh, I know how the situation plays out when I subscribe to something and then completely forget about it, and then I keep on continuously getting charged for these subscriptions that I don't really want anymore. That's why I should be an M using True Bill, which is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply have forgot about. On average, people save up to seven hundred and twenty bucks a year with True Bill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't feel, don't fall for these scams. Start cancelling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. It could save you thousands a year. And speaking of saving money. Everyone likes saving money. If you've got problems with your car, go to rockauto.com. We know this is the family business. They've been doing it for over 20 years, and you can save up to 30%, 50%, even 100% on the same parts that you would normally uh, buy from a chain store or a car dealership. Just go to rockauto.com. Now, here's an example for you. The Honda Odyssey Fuel Pump, normally $353 from a chain store. You can get it for $216 from rockauto.com. The prices are reliably low for everyone, not just the experts, and they've got everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us? Box today. I know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Don't forget to check out the Locked On now podcast Uh, you can hear the local experts from around the locked on network they will fill you in with everything you need to know from the nba circuit so now that the games are back on you get your quick little recaps i like to put it on in the background catch up with everything that's going on around the nba it's a great way to start the day of course after you listen to locked on bucks which is your first listen of every day make locked on now your second and uh you won't be disappointed I think it's interesting in this Brooklyn game this week as we just continue this chat a little bit before we move on. DeAndre Bembry and Javon Carter about to make their Milwaukee debut against their old team. Javon Carter spoke to the media today. His uh, press conference finished up. And if you get the chance to look at this, go to the social pages, YouTube, wherever it is, you'll be able to see it. Uh, he was asked, do you think it's interesting that you're playing against your old team in your first game up, he just smiled and nodded his head. And that was the end of his media availability. I thought it was perfect. He's probably motivated. Remember, both of these guys got cut. Bembry and Javon Carter got cut. So I think we'll probably see them both play again. you take into account Dante DiVincenzo's out. Pat Conraden's out. I think we'll see both of those guys. Both of these guys are kind of known for their defense. Can they knock down a three? They historically have been able to, whether that's a consistent... Source of offense in terms of spacing the floor, you can rely on. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not totally convinced both these guys will be playing once the postseason comes around, but I do think that they can be valuable contributors during the regular season. So I'm looking forward to seeing Bembry and Javon Carter play. By the way, Javon Carter, his nickname is Bulldog. That's what his Twitter account says anyway. Interesting. Bulldog. I wonder if he's going to start to bring out the PJ Tucker instead of we dogs. He might say we Bulldogs. Has anyone made that joke yet? I think someone has. I, I definitely sent it to the DM and asked our friend good friend Mitchell Mara if he's made uh that joke yet. He's big PJ Tucker guy, Mitchell. But I will see what those guys can do on the floor. I wanted to just bring up small markets and this is something that always happens. And I think that this honestly is a topic that for uh, many Bucks fans is going to be close to your heart. We had Uh, Again, the topic of conversation blowing up around the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, They should move. People have these opinions. They should move. They should go to Seattle. And I understand everyone's interest in there being a franchise in Seattle. I think that would be great. I would love to see basketball back in Seattle. The first ever NBA game I went to was Los Angeles Lakers versus Seattle Supersonics. My man, my favorite basketball player of all time, Ray Allen, playing for the Sonics. He had 30 plus points. It was awesome. The Sonics blew out the Lakers. By the way, Kobe Bryant, the night before this game, or the game before this game, my first ever NBA game, twisted his ankle and missed the outing. So the Lakers team was just absolutely awful. Their best player was Lamar Odom. Anyway, they got blown out. But the point being, I love the Sonics. I like everything about the Sonics. The colors, I want them back in the NBA. I don't necessarily want them back at the expense of a franchise, though. And certainly not like a city like New Orleans. Now, you could make the case, well, it's it's not a big basketball town. There's not a lot of interest. First of all, those fans in New Orleans have every reason to feel a little disillusioned by the team when you consider losing Anthony Davis, when you consider the Zion situation right now. I don't think that means that they should lose their, their franchise. And I remember back when I first came to Milwaukee in 2015, I've spoken about this trip a lot, but it was the postseason, it was the Bucs, and it was the Bulls. And I remember... I would go to these bars, literally these bars, across the road from the Bradley Center. And this was uh, on uh, trips after that. So the Bucs have made the postseason. I've come back to Milwaukee at this stage. I'm just a fan. I'm not doing any of this media work. I remember going to to bars literally across the road from the Bradley Center when the Bucs would play road games. And I would be asking bartenders to put the Bucs game on. There was zero interest about the Bucs. At that point, it felt inevitable that the team was going to leave. But there was the, the heartbeat of Bucks fans that were so desperately wanting this team to stay and it meant so much to the city. And now we look at what Milwaukee's been able to do with the new arena, the Deer District. And of course, then you have this miraculous generational talent person that comes into your franchise and it, and it saves the whole franchise. And now Milwaukee is on the map. I can attest to that. Everyone knows where Milwaukee is. Everyone knows about the city. A big part of it is obviously Giannis, or you could say all of it is Giannis. But the the point is that the, the Bucks in Milwaukee were so close to that never being a thing that happened. And who knows whether New Orleans is a franchise, that that happens to them in the next 10 years, the next 15 years, who knows. But I would just hate for that city to lose their team. I hate the conversation around ripping teams away, whether it was Sacramento before they got the Golden 1 Center, which is a fantastic venue, even though the franchise continues to struggle. It's a beautiful arena if uh, anyone has a chance to get out there. So I, it just pisses me off. I just don't like this. The NBA is making plenty of money. If, if they want to expand and go to 32 teams, I don't really care. But let's, let's stop cheering and hoping for teams to lose their franchises. I think it sucks. One of the cool things about reading the Giannis book uh, that uh, Mirren Fader uh, wrote was uh, some of the people that, I, that I've got to know, uh, sometimes in person, sometimes just over Twitter, uh, that r- spoke about trying to keep the Bucks, uh, building the new arena, the hope that Giannis gave them. And the amount of people that just sort of said, you know, the Bucks and the way they've been able to build and Giannis in particular gave hope to this city and and changed the whole course of of what the city is all about. And like I said, put it on the map. It's just awesome. And I think about those people and Jimmy and Dan Schaefer and Jamie and all these people that care so much about the Bucs and the city of Milwaukee as much as anything. And so, I look, New Orleans has got plenty going on for it. I'm sure New Orleans is going to be fine if they lost their NBA team. But let's not do that to the fans. And let's not talk about that. So as a small market here, did I cover the Bucs from a long way away now? Maybe I'll get back soon. I just didn't like that this morning when I woke up and saw that conversation there. So while I was doing a solo pod, I thought, let's get this off my chest. No more taking these small markets. The small markets are going to stick together. We want to see them succeed. So let's keep up that narrative. That sounds a lot more enjoyable. I'll tell you what else is enjoyable, built bar. And this is the time of year that sometimes people just give up on their new year's resolutions, but Don't do it this year. Stick to your resolutions, particularly if it's eating right, and you can do that with Built Bar because it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because they are so delicious. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace your normal candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to three hundred calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 protein. There's... So many flavors, mint, brownie, coconut, coconut, almond. And for, and there is a new flavor this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. That sounds absolutely delicious. Just go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, one hour topic of conversation. And look, listen, the Bucks have got a week off. So there's. We're I'm, I'm going all over the shop here today. I understand that. I don't mind. I know that uh, the Locked On Bucks listeners will still be listening to this. And, and quite honestly, they'll probably give me some feedback. Whether they, they When I go solo on these pods, I'm looking for feedback from the listeners on the topics I'm trying to ask you guys questions. So one question I want to ask you is the Elam ending. I believe it's Elam. Is it Elam ending or Elam ending? You can let me know that in the comments as well. But the Elam ending. So I've heard some conversation around this that, Uh, there is some push or there is some talk that this should be brought into everyday NBA regular season basketball. So the Elam ending is what they, for those that don't know, is what they do in the All-Star game where there's basically a target score for the fourth quarter. So rather than playing to a time clock, you might say whatever. In the All-Star game, they say 24 points is the target score for the team that's leading. But you could make it whatever number you would want to make it, you know. And the idea, or the cool thing about it is that you always get a game-winning shot. Or that's the theory, that it builds excitement because every time down the floor, if you're within that two points, three points, whatever it is of the target score, then you're going to end the game on a game-winner. It's just too gimmicky for me. I think think it's great. I think it's added stuff to the All-Star game. But I don't want to see this every single night in basketball. I'm cool with doing modernizing the game and trying different things I'm totally fine with that but this would be a step too far for me and there's a couple of reasons why first of all there's nothing better than when you see a genuine game winner because they feel so rare I don't want to take away from that feeling of a game winner by making it happen every single night that just feels kind of it's kind of tacky to me why would we go down that path of trying to have a game winner every night Because I guarantee you, within a few months, everyone's going to say, geez, I'm kind of over this. And then they want to move to the next thing. So stick with the clock. But I tell you what they should do with the Elam ending. And I've heard things like if they do a mid-season tournament, they could bring it in. I'm kind of cool with that. Because I feel like the mid-season tournament would be kind of gimmicky anyway. So maybe if you have this added element, that would kind of be fine. But I tell you what I think they should do. They should bring in the Elam ending for overtime. And I think the part of this is when I've moved into the media side of basketball, uh, I've kind of really embraced the idea of quick games, a good game. We don't need to be out here having this long, drawn out game. So when you get to overtime, it's like, okay, let's finish this thing. This could be exciting. But imagine if you have an Elam ending and you say, okay, first to 10 points in overtime. Every bucket in overtime already feels intense. But at least this way, uh, you do guarantee that you have a game winner. And overtime is so rare that you wouldn't feel like you were overdoing this. I've always thought that five-minute overtime is too long anyway. So maybe it's not 10 points. Maybe you make it six points. I don't know what the target score would be. You could come up with it. Maybe you guys have have an idea. But I would be totally fine if they flirted with the idea of just making the Elam ending in overtime. and Maybe they tried in the G League for a season. Because the other thing that the G League has been doing for a number of years, and I honestly didn't know this until I covered a couple of Wisconsin herd games going back a couple of seasons ago. Uh, they went to overtime and then uh, two minutes on the clock. And so five minutes is too long for overtime for me. I love the two minute overtime. I think I would like the Elam ending even more in overtime. Let's get it done. That's that's Even ramp up the intensity. Now, of course, some people will say, well, then you take away the possibility for your double, your triple, your quadruple overtime classics. I can hear that. Those games are fun. There's no doubt about that. And you would be losing that. So maybe that's too much of an impact that you wouldn't like my idea here. But I'm open to it. Does anyone have any interest in bringing this ending into day-to-day NBA, whether it is the regular season, maybe you're into that. Maybe you're into every single game having this ending for the fourth quarter. I don't like it, but maybe you would be into it. But maybe it's overtime. There's a number of situations we could work through here that potentially you guys are in. But let me know what you think. It was a conversation I heard through the week and I found it uh, pretty damn interesting. So uh, you can let us know. Now, this is going to wrap us up for the week. Short podcast always is a little bit shorter when I'm here on my own here riding solo, but that's totally fine. hope you guys stay safe. A lot going on at the moment. It sucks, uh, but hopefully everyone's doing okay. And we will be back next week. We'll have a Brooklyn Nets-Milwaukee Bucks game to wrap up. Real basketball to wrap up. Who would have thought that? Look at this sunlight here in this time of day. It's, It's not great YouTube viewing right now. But anyway, make sure you check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They'll have you covered for everything... Uh, you need there if you're into that type of thing and like i said everyone have a good weekend stay safe we'll be back next week to wrap up bucks and nets speak to you guys then